After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judah, they replied, for this is what is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until they stopped, it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. It's a fascinating moment in the story, isn't it? To try and picture, to try and imagine what, what was happening. And there's, of course, a lot of things happening on the political scene, uh, on the theological scene. There's a lot of things, prophecies happening, structures being challenged and, and being shaken. And, and yet there's this kind of odd mirroring. You've got Herod in Jerusalem with authority and power and status and wealth. And the news that one baby has been born uh, disturbs him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Herod was known for his wild rages. It was not good news for the whole city when Herod was not happy. Herod was disturbed. You can have money and wealth and power and status and fame and be disturbed by one piece of news. By sheer contrast, the Magi, who've traveled the best part of, of two years, finally find the place where the child was. So this isn't a baby, this is a child. Uh, it's not a manger, it's a house. This is sometime after Jesus has been born. But on coming to the house, they saw the child with Mary, bowed down and worshipped him. When they saw the star again, they were overjoyed. Been on the road for two years, they find a house with a mother and a child, and they are overjoyed. I don't understand everything that's going on, but I do understand this. Where Jesus is, there is joy. There might not be power or fame or status or security or money, but there's joy. A joy that can't be disturbed. A joy that can't be shaken. Paul tells us that in Christ, we have been brought to fullness. I wanted to just read something to you from the um, Iona prayer book. Um, 
It's an incredible book uh, of prayers. There are uh, suggested prayers and, and readings for morning, uh, lunchtime, and, and, and evening every day of the week. Uh, and one of these prayers has been written by a guy from Jamaica. His name is Tony, uh, and he's a paraplegic, so a man with huge challenges in his own life. And his prayer is this. If you fail to see the person, but only the disability, who is blind? If your heart and mind do not reach out to your neighbor, who is handicapped? If you cannot hear your brother's cry for justice, who is deaf? I love the words of Paul uh, as he writes to the church in, in Corinth. And Paul's got a kind of a really interesting relationship, to put it mildly, with the church in, in Corinth. It's a church that he himself planted and he's got very vivid and fond memories of the time he spent there meeting people, sharing the gospel with people, baptizing people, planting a church there in Corinth. But when Paul moved on, some other people came in uh, and they weren't known as apostles. They were called super apostles. And they didn't preach Paul's gospel. They had a better gospel, a gospel that said, yes, we believe in Jesus, but we're going to bring back all the Judean structures and Jewish laws as well. So it's like Jesus plus the Old Testament, or Jesus plus certainly the Old Testament way. And Paul's letters, as he writes to the church in Corinth, are kind of littered with references to this. One of the things that's going on in Corinth, and I know these days we wouldn't imagine that this could happen, but they are bickering about who is the better preacher. They're having arguments about who's the better leader. They're wearing badges that says, well, I'm, 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 I'm Paul. And others, well, I'm, I'm Apollos. Others, I'm, I'm Cephas or, or Peter. And then the super spiritual that said, no, well, I'm, I'm the Lord. And all, all of this is, is going on there. It seems to drive Paul insane. And at one point in the letter, he says this. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present, or the future, all are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. And I love the point that Paul gets to, when he says it doesn't really matter who shared it with you. If it's true, it's true. If it's real, it's real. And then he kind of gives this, this long list, you know, whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, Peter, those were the big three preachers in, in Corinth back in the day, then he says, or the world, and in case they're not quite capturing Paul's vision of this, or life, or death, or the present, or the future, all are yours, for you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. We have been brought to fullness in Christ. In Jesus, it is all Hours. When Paul wrote to the church for the second time, he shares about his struggles in ministry. Uh, it's a verse that you wouldn't read to anybody who's considering applying for ministry. 
He said, we put no stumbling block in people's paths so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, in hardship and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless night, and hunger. He's just warming up. Uh, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere truth, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. I remember a couple of years ago now, I had the privilege to go with Tia Fund to Ethiopia. Uh, and we were there for a couple of days before we went to church with them on the weekend. Uh, and worshipping with them was a, an experience I will never forget. The couple of days before, we'd spent some time in their homes and seen where they'd lived, and seen them kind of very, very creatively making resources stretch, um, very creatively coming up with solutions for, for life. And sometimes you get those little glimpses, don't you, into how different life is for other people. And at the time, I remember coming home thinking, I have nothing to complain about. And I wish I could say I've never complained since then, but that is not true. But I remember being with them on the Sunday and just this wave of exuberant joy. Having nothing and yet possessing everything. We've been brought to fullness in Christ. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, it's yours. It's all yours because you are of Christ and Christ is of God. And so this Christmas, as we face challenges of our own, don't know what those challenges will be for you, but I'm sure there's things that you'd love to change, that you'd love to have different, you'd love to be different. In that, we can hold on to this promise. We might feel at times like we possess or we have very, very little, and yet in Christ we possess everything. That same word that is used of the fullness of the deity, dwelling in Christ, is the same word that is used of us. We're brought to fullness in Christ. And yet there are things, aren't there, that taint that. There are things that stain that, things that get in, our, in the way of our fully appreciating and understanding that. And tonight I want us to come to this table to this meal, to this gift. The child that was born in the manger, hunted by Herod from the first months of his life, lived under the shadow of the cross, lived under the, the threat, the knowledge, the prophecy, the promise that this is how his life 
would end. That he would be stripped naked and yet lifted high in glory. That he would be made to have nothing and yet possess everything. And in emptying out that fullness of himself on the cross for us, open a way for us to know freedom and forgiveness and fullness because of his love.